Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bazzaro. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So I'm going to jump right into it. I love these New York City episodes. Our network of food entrepreneurs growing in New York City. It's kind of cool. That's why we did a networking event um, as we're actually recording this. That network event took place this past weekend. We'll be doing a lot more of those, particularly in New York and in Los Angeles and Nashville and Denver. And I've been asked to just do one in Miami uh, as of today also because the popularity of people, one, wanting to be on the show, but two, wanting to get connected in a group of just food entrepreneurs. People are not wanting just entrepreneur groups anymore. They're local groups or they're local better business. They're actually wanting food entrepreneurs are wanting to learn in this space. So that's been kind of interesting and cool. And that sort of just came organically, honestly. That being said, from New York City, I have Nico of Uncle Gussie's Food Truck. How are you doing today, Nico? I'm doing doing well, Justin. Thank you for having me. So I'm like, Nico has a Uncle Gussie's. So I don't I'm I'm curious how like I usually get to this question later. But since we've been talking, I'm already warm. How did you come up that, with a name for this this truck being what it is? Yeah, every, everybody asks me that they actually think I'm Uncle Gussie. I'm actually nephew Nico. Um, yeah, you know, basically my whole life I've been uh, my father was actually a cab driver. Uh, my parents got divorced like at the age of 10. And, uh, you know, my mother got to work. She she was working before that, but she really started working after that. Uh, either I was at the park in school or helping one of my uncles, you know, just vend. All, basically, most of my uncles were either in the restaurant industry, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, Greek uh, Greek immigrants, or they were selling hot dogs or, or, you know, pork or beef skewers, chicken skewers on a corner somewhere. So my uncle... My uncle Costa, uh, short for, you know, in America, Gus, he was on that corner from 1971 till, till, till he actually like just, you know, gave us the reins in 2007. That's 38 years on one corner, 51st and Park Avenue. So just a tribute to him for taking care of his family um, and being on there for so long. We named it after him. This, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, sure. the people don't realize that what street vending, the legacy that it leads to. People don't know this, but the Marriott Corporation, that's the hotels, all started with Marriott having a hot dog stand. The the grandfather of the current son was in the food business first. He had Roy Rogers, eventually Bob's Big Boys, Howard Johnson's, to name a few. And then the son is the one who wanted to transition the business into hotels. And then they slowly spun off their airline businesses. They used to cater airplanes all over the world. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, Marriott did it. And my father was actually part of the company called Cater Air with a group called the Carlisle Group, a private equity group, that spun off that Marriott piece and created it, which is now Sky Chefs. Sky Chefs bought Marriott. Uh, Cater Air bought with a backing of private equity bought Marriott in-flight services and then in 96 97 Sky Chefs also known it's Lufthansa um 
uh, I can't even remember the name anymore of the, but it's Sky Chefs basically bought them and and that's what it is now. Thank God before the whole airline food business went down the tubes, uh, at least in the United States. But that's where I get my background from. My my family's always been in food in some sort. Also, maybe not directly my my grandparents. Uh, but my family um, has always been involved in it just because of being immigrants uh, in the communities we grew up. You know, Arthur Avenue is where my Italian heritage started uh, in the Bronx. And, you know, all of it was the community and the food and my grandmother's side of the family all into food where my grandfather was more in the construction and the business side. My grandmother's side, they were very into food and, and at textiles actually also interestingly. But food mainly and that's just because like still to this day I don't like my grandmother passed away when I was 12 or 13 and still to this day I don't think I still remember a meatball ever tasting as good as the one she made because she made everything from scratch it was just one of the incredible things and we've lost I think we've lost sight of a lot of that anyway grandma rocks grandma grandmas are the best yeah they are um, and I'm going down uh, off a of commentary, but let's go back to your story. Tell me about your story. Um, we talked about growing up, your parents divorcing, like being involved in food. But I mean, let's really go into the details here because I want the nitty gritty. You're a New York City kid. You're living the Greek American dream, basically. <laughs> what it like? Tell like it's not easy, right? For you to be the next no. generation to start having success. There's like family members that literally, for lack of a better term, you have to stand on, you know, to build a legacy, to build an American dream. You got to stand on them. I've had to stand on my grandparents. I've had to stand on my parents. Um, yeah, so this is this is how me and my brother got involved. Yes, in, love in this. Business. Uh, yeah, you know, like I said, from 10 years old, I've been vending on the street. I've worked, uh, you know, all over New York City, Queens. Uh, not, I haven't worked Brooklyn. But I've worked all over Manhattan and Queens, to say the least. Um, from the Midtown area all the way down to like Battery Park. Um, I had a ton of relatives. I just needed a little help, like a little hand. I mean, at 10 years old, there's only so much you could do. Uh, I would give out sodas. I would run and get them like extra supplies. I would, uh, I would go back to the commissary. I go to the bank, get them change. Um, but I would just hang out with them all day. At one point I was working with, uh, with a cousin of mine on a hundred gold street, I was like 1986. I was 10. I was 10. 1986. My brother was born at that time. And uh, he got arrested. <laughs> and here I am, 10 years old, running a whole cart by myself. And we were right in front of uh, uh, an institutional firm called Prudential Batch. And, and downtown was nothing like what it is today. Like today, that same location is across the street from Pace University, across the street from uh, New York Presbyterian. And we were in front of the New York uh, Prudential Batch office, 100 Gold Street. So there was a lot of people. So this guy's getting arrested, and I'm serving gyros at 10 years old, collecting money. When he got out, he got arrested for, for illegally parking, like vending and illegally parking. It was like really, you know, whatever. But that's the, way it is. that's the way it is in this, that's the way it is yeah. in this business. You know? yeah, Sometimes, yes, yeah, like, I don't know, he was parked too close, too far. He was uh, in a restricted area. He told the cop, whatever, man, I'm just trying to feed my family. They're like, no, you got to go, buddy. So they just left me there. I was like, all right. I drove the truck home. Uh, <laughs> I took it all the way back to Astoria through the BQE. It was a really, like, a really putt-putt put-together truck. But I made it happen. 
when he out, the first question he asked me is like, "How much do we make?" I'm like, "460 bucks." He's like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. <laughs> I know, so right? like, this... yeah, we we we've been through the mill. Uh, you know, I went to school, I went to college. Uh, my brother did the same. Uh, I actually worked for an accounting firm, and as I wound up at 345 Park Avenue as a computer tech, working for a company called KPMG, and I worked there like in the early 90s on 51st and Park with my Uncle Gus. So on my lunch break, I just go outside and I chill with him. But he was getting old. And I told him, I was like, what, what are you doing here? Why are you still here? He's like, ah, what am I going to do home? And uh, I was like, listen, man, this isn't for you. You know, let me let me take this over. I'll, I'll make it happen here. It, it, the, the Midtown was booming. When I mean, uh, you, you know, you know, New York. It's just like you couldn't you couldn't walk. It's, it was so packed during lunchtime. Yeah, but I he, remember that. You know, especially you know, like he, he made he made his money. You know, this is this is not an old man's game. It's a young man's game. You know, he made his money. So he was just going out there, I guess, just to get away, just to get out of the house. But in order to, to do all that, you need to be strong, physically fit and ready. He was drained. How many years can you possibly do that for? So he's like, no, I, I don't really want to give it up. Uh, I said, all right, man, just let me know when I'm here. You know, I'm here. You know, and uh, we went to the we I, I looked over while I was talking about the other corner and I saw a little a little donut cart like selling breakfast. And uh, at that time, I purchased a home. I asked for a raise from a new manager that I guess, you know, corporate America, it, it, it works weird, right? It works like, who do you know? You know, she had her team already, so they weren't looking to give me a raise. I just, I just purchased a, a home. I'm working on the weekends in Queens at, a, at another uh, Stuvlaki stand on Stanway Street. Um, and, and I'm like killing myself all day. I'm working five days a week at, uh, at the, you know, KPMG as a tech, which was really not work for me, but I just didn't fit into that environment. You know, I'm so used to being outdoors and talking to all walks of life. Uh, corporate America is a bit different for me. I didn't mind it. It's just, it's not natural for me. Unnatural to say the least. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fit so, in uh, there. I, it's yeah. not where I belong. So, yeah, so so I, I see this little breakfast card. It's like 1030, and this guy got a line. So I walk over, I get a coffee, and I got a donut. The donut was, like, horrible, but the coffee was really good. So I, I, I went into Bank of America, which is right there. I pulled out the last of my money, cash. I walked back up to him. You know, I'm all dressed up to go into work, you know. I'm taking a long lunch break. I'm, I'm literally, in my head, I'm already quitting from KPMG. So I go to him, hey, man, I heard you selling. He goes, I am. And I, I didn't hear anything. I just went up to him and I said that. I said, okay. I was like, I got 14 grand on me right now, cash money. He's like, come up with 21. I was like, I don't have 21. I got 14, bro. And he's like, come up with 19. I was like, I don't have 19. I got 14, bro. I'm telling you right now, I'm going broke. I got nothing more. He's like, he's like okay, 14 and give me another four in a month. I said, you got it. And that's how me and my brother got into this for ourselves. And that's how it all started. I, I could go on and tell you how it continued. This guy, he told me, you're going to make X amount of dollars per day. These are all your customers. You could do anywhere from 300 to 360, maybe 400 tops. He told me about all his customers. I stayed, he, he, he shadowed me for a week or I shadowed him for a week, to say the least. And I started working there. 
He left. I took over. I quit, obviously, KPMG. I gave him two weeks. I was out of there. And he was so honest that I made exactly what he told me to, to the nines. It was no more, no less. He was just an honest, honest guy. Um, and then That's my brother incredible. was going to college. My brother was going to college at that time, but he was just like basically, I don't know what he was doing. He just wasn't into college. So I was like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing with your life? He's like, oh, I don't know. I said, are you going to school to go to school? Or are you going to school to, to do something with yourself? I said, come with me. Let's, let's, because I saved some money now. Now I'm back in the game. You know, I put my money away. I was like, let's, let's make a grill. I was like, me and you will kill it over here. These people, they love me. I said, I'm, I'm making friends here. I'm talking to everybody because I don't stop talking to people. He's like, let's do it. So now I reinvest my money. Another, you know, I don't know, it was like 17, 18,000 for another push cart. We build a beautiful cart. We put on a grill. There's like one more cart, maybe 10 blocks away from us that does breakfast, like a, like a breakfast sandwich. And it went, you know, the, the revenue went from X amount to X amount. So we started crushing it. Me and my brother. Now we got a line. You know, these people, they realize we got a real bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. It's pork. They're, they're, they're going nuts. They're going bananas. We're doing healthies for them. We're doing Greek yogurts, uh, Greek coffees. They're, they're losing their bird. We're, we're packed. My uncle on the other side, he sees this. And he's like, wow. I'm like, you're ready? You're ready to sell it to me? You're ready to give it to me? He's like, not yet. I said, oh, my God, this guy, forget it. Two years went by until he gave up that corner. And we, we it's inset, like, you know, it's like the dealer's corner. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. I'm not giving, I'm, this is my corner. I'm slinging it. I own yeah. this. Yeah. You, you know, in, in reality, you know, the, the, you know, anybody could actually post up there, you know, it's just, you just have to have, it's like an unwritten rule, you know, a little respect goes a long way, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then, and then he, he finally said, I'm ready to go. I said, okay, great. He's like, do you want my push card? I was like, no, I don't want that thing. That's a, that's an old piece of equipment, my friend. So we built another one. Now, you know, this is going broke three times in a row. Yeah. Literally. Because it's not like man. you're making a ton of money. You I know. know. People, don't, to... people think you, like, leverage, like, success. No, you're, like, constantly taking risks until the risks are big enough where they start to actually put money away. But I'm going to get into that, too. So go ahead. I wanted so, you to keep so, going. So me and my brother, we go in again. This cart now is a lunch cart. I got gyro machines and grills. It's 30 plus. We need a van, another 30 plus. I'm like, holy shit. Now we go into debt. We borrow money from friends, family, this, that. Um, and the cart honestly didn't go so well. It didn't. With just another cart on the corner. The breakfast was good. It was it popped for some reason. The the the, the lunch, it just didn't take off, man. It was I was like, holy shit. Now, me and my brother are working a breakfast, and, you know, we hired a few people. We went, now we go over to the lunch. We'd work that. I'm talking 20-hour days, 18-hour days, no problem. Five-day week, nonstop. And, 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 and the lunch was not, not doing good, bro, not doing good. And then little by little, you know, maybe, a, maybe a, 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 like two years went by, it started picking up. It started picking up. I think what happened was a company called uh, Midtown Lunch, like the web, started getting hype. Like it started gaining traction. I'm going to say 2010, 2011. And it was like a food blog. And these guys started writing about carts and this and that. So people really got into the street scene about eating, you know. 
And that's how it, that's how it actually started picking up. That publicity got people to come over. And little by little, little by little, little by little, and then this big-ass truck drives by us, Justin. It was huge. I'll never forget it. And it said schnitzel and things on it. I'm like, what the hell is that? So I go onto this website, Midtown Lunch, and it's showing pictures of lines going a block long. I, I'd say he was the first food truck besides a pizza and ice cream truck in New York, like a like a specialized food food truck. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's one of the first ever. I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember being blown away at it as well. Yeah. And how and fast like, he created a trend. Yeah, and my brother was like, yo, we got to build one. And I'm like, I don't know, man. That's not really legal. Remember what I told you. Like, trucks are not legal. And remember what I told you, how, how the story started, how my cousin got arrested. Yeah. For, like, parking or... And I was like, I don't know, man. We're going to have problems. Post-traumatic stress I, going like, on there. And, and my brother Frankie's like, if we don't do this now, bro, we're going to die. We're just going to fucking be another food truck or another food cart like everybody else. I was like, bro, we didn't even finish paying off this thing. He's like, all right, we'll finish paying it off and we'll get a truck. I call my I call my friend John. He's upstate. He's a he's a car dealer. I was like, we want a 14-foot box truck. And he's like, Nick. He goes, Nico, there's 150 of them sitting on a lot right now. DHL just gave up the the they switched over to like a more cleaner, you know, cleaner, uh, you know, something for the hybrid model yeah yeah and i was like what i was like yo bit on one right now we pick one up for like eleven thousand dollars unreal wait we didn't get it we didn't Ugh. get it because another guy like and then this other guy just picked up all of them we wind up in jersey for 14.5 buying the same thing like a 20 it was, it was 2000 and I think it was 2009, and we got a 2008 for like 14.5, which is sweet, sweet deal, like under 20,000 miles. I still have the truck. I'm, I could look at it right out my office window. Uh, we build it. We don't have any money to like wrap it to make it look cool, so it's just one big blue truck. We didn't have money for signage, nothing. And bro, let me tell you, we blew the hell up. Just that appearance alone, that image. Of something big, boom, in the middle of Park Avenue, and me, me being that I know everybody, we just took off. We took off, man, it, and and I, and never since then it's been. We've introduced like mom's cooking. Um, we did specials Tuesday and Thursday. It's incredible. Yeah, and and then we built a second truck, and now we have two trucks. Uh, one like the one that's in the warehouse right now is uh, it just does events, and the other one goes at the location on Fifty First and Park. And that's that's basically the gist of it. I mean, but it's 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 quite a rodeo, you know. It's quite a ride. Yeah, I want to touch on a few points for your story. I will. I'm just going to anchor this for everyone. One of the weirdest things that happens as an entrepreneur, I find this particularly in food, is you talked about saving money versus spending money and getting houses and being broke. The weirdest thing happens when we're in food and we actually enjoy what we're doing. You know, you talk about going broke to broke to broke, but it's because you're also saving money along the way. Um, you weirdly yeah. save money when you have interest in something. You're not going out to get fulfillment or validation from something else, so you save money. When you're unhappy and you're not in the right field or you're going to KPMG in this case, um, you know, like you were talking about, there's an unhappiness and you're looking for fulfillment and joy 
from something else. So you tend to, oh, I'm going to have a nice house. Okay, I'm putting a lot of pressure on my family to be a good family. Okay, maybe I need cars. You know, whatever it is. But when you're in the hustle and you and you enjoy what you're doing so much that you want it to grow, you oddly start saving money. You know, and I find this in families too. Watch families who are ultimately happy. Maybe they're, they're acquiring wealth, but the way they spend their money is different than a family that's struggling. The family that's struggling is trying to find that happiness elsewhere, not within the family. And so it's usually money is the easiest way to do it. So I want to anchor that for the audience because I think it's important. I think unrealistic, if we see ourselves falling in this pattern, it's time to do a gut check in our business. It's time to do a gut check in our family and be like, okay, what's going on here? Why is this the becoming our validation? Why is no, this the thing that have to, you yeah, definitely have to love? You definitely have to love what you do. And if it's like, a, if it's a family affair, a lot of people that I say, oh, I, don't, I can't work with family. That's all I work with. I, I, I don't know any other way. Like like I told you, the office is not natural for me. I don't know how people could do that. Just think about it. But uh, again, I don't want to put anybody down because, you know, people do are successful in corporate America. And, and you know what? They might like it, but there has to be a specialty involved, you know, like somebody who closes the deal or somebody who brings in business. It, 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 there's no fulfillment if you're just working there. Like I'm a, I was a tech. Like, yes. Yeah, so, you know. They treated me like a tech. They didn't treat me like anything else. You know what I mean? Not that they weren't nice. They were great. But it's it's artificial. When you're working to build something, right? And you're working to, to you, you know, Justin, for food, to say the least. You know, you see these people like, oh, man, that was a really good meal. Thank you so much. Hey, my mom made that tzatziki, which she did at the beginning. For years, my mom would make the tzatziki. You know? My mom's 74 now. She's not making, we're making the tzatziki. Me and my brother in the warehouse twice a week making the tzatziki. Three times a week sometimes if it's busy. But again, it's me and my brother. And then we have helping hands who help us. And they too get treated like family because we're all in this together. Because if we don't make, they don't make. So you, 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 first of all, you got to love what you do. And I do. I really love what I do. I love the interaction between me and the customer. I love the fact that my truck is big, blue, and beautiful. Uh, I love the fact that we've created a great customer base. I love the fact that we cater. Um, I, I love the fact that I've created all these relationships with people, including yourself, Justin. You know, just from a short, uh, you know, short conversation, it's it's great. You know, it's all positive. Uh, but if you don't like what you do, then you shouldn't be doing it. It, it just if it's just a, a means for money, it doesn't make sense. It's not just about money. The money will come. You know, it's, it's like it's like a byproduct of success, to say the least. Not even success, just hard work. I love this. And um, I like when I was in New York uh, in Astoria, Queens, like Greek food's a big thing. You know, um, I have a lot of exposure to it just from being in New York, not including my relationships. But uh, like, it's interesting because I've been hunting you guys down for a while to be on the podcast. And we've had some miscommunications as I the podcast actually just so everyone knows, like he I've been chasing down Nico, like probably for about <laughs> nine months, 10 months. And it was before even the big move and the podcast really got picked up. And we look at what it is to, now it took me freaking three years and a lot of heartache and a lot of people like just tearing it down and and covid and all this stuff like i don't even know like i sometimes i wonder why i did all this for a podcast i can't believe i went through if someone told me how to go through all that to get where i am now i'd be like oh my gosh really again 
But now I understand why I had to go through because it's why it's so popular now. It's why I'm able to have four podcasts, why Foodtopia TV. But I've been chasing down Uncle Gus for a while. I've known about their food truck for years. Like I don't even – it could be even as long as a decade because I was in grad school in 2012 to 2014 at University of North Carolina at the one MBA program when it used to reside there with four other universities around the world. And I remember – um like having a conversation with my um at the time I was with my ex-wife so I guess maybe even longer than that but about food and food trucks in the boom there and you guys were one of the quick movers also you know schnitzel and things I think um I believe that was the name he paved a road you know and and dinghies and things came along waffles and dinghies yeah yeah, waffles and dinghies yeah that's it yep and you know all these companies sort of came on you guys were one of the first movers and yeah and like it's interesting because that's how i sort of picked up on it and and why i've been pursuing i think and i just looked at my instagram actually the first time i messaged you guys was when i first did the podcast in 2019 and i couldn't we couldn't work out schedules because you guys it was before covid and the food truck scene was blowing up then like it is again now and so it's like how we're trying to – you're a busy guy. You guys have a busy business. And I like that you're doing it yourselves, which means you're always – nothing's below you. Uh, I just want to emphasize that. And I've always noticed that about your brand as I follow you guys, as I've had had your food back in the day, as I've been able to talk to it. Even in the area I grew up in, Astoria, Queens, it was a lot of Greek families. You know, they everyone talks. Everyone knows each other in the Greek neighborhoods. You know, it's not – the Italians, we kind of dispersed across the world. Still, right, right, the right. Greeks really, like, still support each other, support each other's businesses, like, more so than I would say my Italian heritage does. Um, and maybe I'm just comparing or because I'm jealous well, or something, but it's no, different. No, we're first, second, we're first, second, and now third generation. So, with you know, you guys have been here a lot longer, so it disperses. As time goes on, your population grows. It, it goes into the melting pot. And and everybody moves on. There's Italians all across the country. There's Greeks all across the country, too, but yeah. not as much as Italians. You know, it's who gets here first and you know, bigger populations, you know what I mean? That's, it's all, and it's happening with Greeks too. You could see, um, yeah, the distance, when, you know, when you speak to my son, I speak to him in Greek, he'll answer me in English. And I'm like, but when I speak to him in a certain language, you should answer me in a certain language. And, uh, you know, I try to talk to him in Spanish too. So we could just, you know, he's like, daddy, what are you saying? I was like, you should learn this too. Yeah. And I tell my daughter the same thing, you know, like just basic stuff. It's nice. It's nice to, to, to keep tradition. It's nice to be, um, you know, multilingual. It's nice to to have that Greek heritage, you know, on, on our part. But eventually, it's going to fade, Justin. The truth of the matter is, it's going to fade. It does, and it's- and you and generations like my stepkids who are half Greek, you know, they're but they're also half whatever else, and mm-hmm. um, and a mixing pot of things, and like they don't nearly have the attachment to Greek food to the the Greek way of life, the, I don't even know how to, the big fat Greek wedding type thing. Like, even though it's a movie, there's like, there's some truth in all of it. And it's the coolest part to me, like the tradition, the big family. That's what I love about being Italian. That's why I attached to that side of my family so much because I'm like, okay, I love the American dream. I love the big family. I love surrounding ourselves by food and, and, and the way that we do it and breaking bread and the positiveness of being a brown family. It's weird because correct, correct. 
I will say that Greeks, Italians, um, and certain other immigrant groups that come, if you, they have this positivity about them being trying to fight for the American dream or whatever it looks like, even just to come here in the first place is such a bold move. You've got to have somewhere, some sort of hope and positivity in your mindset. So I think a lot of that comes through in that way. It's not necessarily just a group, but it's because of the hardships, because of the way because uh, many of, the hardships, of us right. yeah, came to America, because many of us. Uh, didn't speak English or relatives they had to get into the food industry and there's a lot of love and connection and food and a lot of us grew up around food because of that um, so okay. let's I want to talk about the language thing also I agree with you 100% I still study like I spend 15 minutes every day using drops on my phone which is a phone app for languages and okay. like I'm st- still learning Spanish. I work on Spanish and Italian, depending on what day it is, because you can do as many languages as you want on that program. It's phenomenal. Um, and I'll okay. even try to learn languages when I go to a new place. Like it's such an important skill. I'm not great at it. It's my worst thing ever. Like it's like the thing that like give me math, give me numbers, give me networking, give me marketing. Like freaking no problem. Like get it like that. But you languages, gotta, you gotta hang out. You gotta hang out with me on the street because. Especially yeah. in New York, like, yeah. especially Astoria, Jackson Heights. You know, you know that it's yeah. the most multi-ethnic place in the world. Yeah, my ex-wife you know was bang from bang- Bangladesh, and so like, there you, uh, go. you know, Jackson Heights and me, and she was from Astoria, Queens. Also, uh, she came you over see? here when she was four. But it was like that language, and Bengali is the language they speak. Even learning that and understanding that, like in Spanish, if you're in food service, I don't. I don't know if I would have survived in California doing business without knowing Spanish. So, you know? yeah. And, and and speaking of food, you get all these cultures together and you have an array of food. And I'm sure, Justin, you had your, your piece of New York just trying all these delicious types of foods like, uh, you know, Bengali, Indian, um, a Thai, uh, a Chinese. Uh, you know, there's there's regular Chinese, there's real Chinese in Flushing. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, there's there's Korean Korean barbecue. There's uh, kimchi. Uh, there's there's a, there's a you know I think they start in California, but it's here too. Like Korean Asian fusion, um, bro, it, it 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 could get crazy. And you know, all this contributes to what we do as street vendors. It all it all is part of that fabric, and I'm proud to be part of that fabric. Yeah, you know? I love this. So, talk to me about how you get into the food truck. How do you design a menu for the food truck? You talk about doing traditional things, like you're taking on a much bigger monster. Um, you know, what were the things that you were serving on the cart that translated in the truck? Like, give me an idea of your menu and I'll and, tell you. and and I'll how tell you, you go about it. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. A truck is a thousand times easier than a cart. A thousand times, more storage. Uh, you could create a nicer menu. And um, you don't have to hitch it, trail it, unhitch it, push it into a corner, and go through the elements. A truck, you can just pull up, park, open up, and serve. You know, the negative about a truck is sometimes, being that it's New York, there might not be parking. Uh, A menu design, look, at that time when me and my brother got into the business, there wasn't that many Greeks on the street left. As we spoke previously, Justin, this is an immigrant's business. It's a stepping stone business um, where it's an entryway into business, right? It's small. And uh, a lot of uh, Afghani, Egyptian, 
um, maybe Bengali to say the least. They were um, they were serving rice, chicken. They would say gyro, but over rice. You know, Greeks we don't really do rice; we do pilaf. Um, we we could do like a like an like a chicken egg lemon soup that that yeah, it's that delicious. Has has orzo, or maybe you know at home we could put some rice, but not a lot of rice in a Greek diet. But in order to compete with them, because it is competition at the end of the day, right? We had to add something to that, so we added a rice platter. Um, to keep it traditional, you know, of course we had a Greek salad. Then you could top that with chicken. Uh, a gyro is is a Greek word, gyro. You know, we added Greek spices. The oregano we get from Greece. Uh, we use traditional olive oil. Uh, we actually import the olive oil as well. Um, but the menu is not that hard. You, you do we, we, we do platters, pita sandwiches. And then for the specials, we used to do cooked food. We used to do lamb chops, uh, pastizio. And my mom would cook that, by the way. Coquinisto, uh, which is like a braised beef and like a red wine sauce. Uh, those are specials. Now we don't do that many specials because of COVID. The population isn't there as it used to be. We do do like a, like a spicy pineapple shrimp habanero skewer, which is not that Greek, but it's on a stick, right? So it's a shrimp souvlaki now. Now it's Greek, right? Um, we do skirt steak in a pita. Again, skirt steak is not something that traditionally goes in a pita, but hey, you know, it's good to mix it up a little bit. Give the crowd something different. The, the, the menu's simple. Platters, pita sandwiches, fries, Greek salad, drinks. Simple. Simple is better. Would you agree, Justin? I agree 100%. I think we overcomplicate menus and we try to be like the diners or the Greek diners too much for no, that's a, crazy. a direct example. No. And it's just, you know, Chinese places do great because people don't realize if they may look like they have a, a really crazy menu, but the reality is, is they limited their ingredients to about... 90 100 items and it's manageable and everything revolves around those ingredients they don't go any more they don't go any less that's what they know and they kept it simple now in this case we're talking about even simpler and that's what i think is important i agree with you 100 percent. that's why you see raising canes blowing up across the country so fast they they just do chicken tenders and french fries that's it you know raising canes, yeah that's like a, that's like an american fried chicken spot right yeah they do like chicken fingers yeah. only weirdly that's but, good. That's good. That's smart. Smart yeah. on that part. Uh, look, look at um. Look at uh, Chick Fil A. Same thing. Yeah. A few things. Nothing crazy. Don't get out of hand. You know. Do do what you can handle and do what you do best. Right. I agree with you. Um, this is a cool experience because, like, I'm just fascinated by this. Like, how, how, like, so when you switched over the truck, like, how did you grow your business? I mean, obviously, you were on. The, you have a corner. You know that you're going at it, but you're talking about events. Um, you obviously, your brother, and you are ambitious. Like you have like ambition. You want to do well in the world, and you have your head on straight. And you're, how should I say, um, wanting to make the world a better place for sure through what you're doing. Like how do you? How did you go from like 2009 to getting additional trucks to the having your own office and and parking lot and location that you're in now like how did you go about figuring all of that out and and what does the business look like now okay rule rules of uh, of of, uh, of of engagement when it comes to to food hospitality ready quality quantity and excellent service that's it that's that's it it's again that's that's as simple as we are um 
uh, uh, customer satisfaction, make them happy, make them want to come back, make them feel welcome. You know, no matter what your problems are, you don't bring that to work with you. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, here's a cool story, right? I'm working with my Uncle George, Stanley, 31st Avenue. And um, I went out the night before. I was, I don't know, 18? I came to work late, hungover. Um, you know, I was out of shape. You know what I mean? I just wasn't meant, I, I wasn't fit to work that day. So it, it showed. So now I, I woke up to the to the cart, and my uncle's got like thirty people around him, and he's by himself. He's like, "Hey," he goes to me, <laughs> like welcoming with a smile. "How are you?" I was like, "Oh, you know." And I I was ready to start complaining. So he goes, "I don't give a shit." He goes in Greek. He's like, "Demenyazi." He tells me, "Take the dollar and smile. That's what you do here, and cook right, make everybody happy." We you didn't come here. For, he goes, "If you got problems, go back and leave them where you came from." He told me. And from that day on, no matter what the problem is between me, myself, me, my wife, me, my kids, uh, my car, whatever, uh, the commute, um, it just doesn't go to work with me. Same thing when you go home. Same thing when you go home. You can't bring your work problems home. Yep. So you got to hang them up outside your door, like find an imaginary tree and just put them there, pick them up the next day. I love it's, it's, I love yeah, that we're talking that, about this. Yeah, that 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 was it. So 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 now here I am. And again, honestly, it's it's so natural to me now that that's what I do. I'm just smiling. Hey, what's up? How are you? How's your day? What would you like? Thank you for coming. Here's here's a, here's a drink on us. You know, hospitality, you know, make them feel welcome. Make everybody feel welcome. You know, and if I'm not there, if I'm personally not there, sometimes things don't go so right. But sometimes I got to be in the office now, being that I have all this administrative work and we're a small business. And, you know, until I'm ready to hire somebody to give them all this paperwork and, you know, certificates of insurance for events and signing contracts and, you know, proofs of, you know, uh, just a bunch of things, a bunch of new things that we do now. You know? Yeah. I want to comment on this because um, this is very true. I'm going to just say this. And I weirdly made this mistake, I don't know, a couple years ago now. And I forgot this cardinal rule. COVID's going on. My, our business is growing. The hospital meal counts are going through the roof. Yet my own government's almost attacking me. And I, and they're supporting my foreign competitors in a way that I couldn't even imagine was possible. But thank you, American government, for turning on your own people and your own food system. We did that. Then we sold it to the Chinese and the French and the Dutch and the English. Just so I'm saying, look at who owns the grocery stores. Look at who owns, who actually, what country the food comes from in our schools in our universities and who's the company actually providing it and winning those contracts it's an odd scenario but rebates do a funny thing in this country they're basically legal um bribery just offer someone a rebate based on their food and you can bribe people no problem and um and bribe businesses or get them to use your business because there's the back end you know, thing, but we allow that in food. Interestingly, I tend to not like that method because I find it to be eventually used for wrongdoing, even by your own employees, even in a good company, it's too tempting um, to take things on the rebate. Um, so, but I'm going to get into this because, you know, I COVID's going on, 
business is booming. When business grows too fast, it's like a tidal wave. It sucks out all the water into the wave before it comes crashing down on you. And that's what cash flow is, trying to grow a business rapidly. Like it sucks out all the cash out of you, especially in food. It has to go into tangible things and you have to like hold on to inventory in order to sell it. Okay. Correct. But, but here's the thing that I'm going to tell everyone and what I learned, what I already knew. I grew up on a farm. There was no time for my emotions. The horses would die. The animals would die. You didn't have time for that shit. You know, my parents weren't very loving in that sense. They were loving humans and they wanted to grow and they wanted the best for me, but there wasn't a lot of time for the soft bullshit, you know? And it affected me growing up. I'm like, God, what? look at all these parents. They're all like a loving and so overwhelming and, and, you know, they give their kids money. I had to work for all my money. You know, not everything necessarily my parents provided, but, you know, I learned the value of a dollar by the time I was three. I was running fruit stands and vegetable stands. By the time I was, you know, 14, I was mowing fields and anything my parents taught me how to lease the tractors from and run my own businesses and pay them back the, the, and lease payments based on the gas I used, based on the depreciation of the equipment. And so, like, they were obviously making money off of me. But I was using their equipment that they paid for, you know, so rightfully so. And well, I'm like, oh, you're my parents. Just give it to me. They were like, no, no, no. We're teaching you business, the value of a dollar, what it means, so on and so forth. And even, you know, other family members and Deborah's parents, they were in the liquor stores in Denver and a Greek family and, you know, compounding that in. And I find that a lot of that is you don't have time for the emotions. Like, what is that going to do for our business? What is that going to do for our family? And I learned a valuable lesson here and it, and it reminded me of it. No one gives a shit about your emotions. If you think they do, you're wrong. And and even in your personal relationships, even with your spouses, that person really doesn't give a shit about your emotions. And I, everyone's going to be, what? You know, they're loving and you're supposed to be there for them. Nope. A family unit is generally to grow, to create something better, whether it's children, whether it's a legacy, whatever. But we get too far attached in the other person trying to make us feel better. And really, no one cares about the other person's emotions. They're an individual thing. They're for you to deal with. They're for you to use. It's a give and take. Yeah. And I, I would say this, and I, people are going to take this the wrong way. Like, oh my God, you're so wrong. And it's so, that's not saying I don't love someone. That's not saying I don't miss someone. That's not saying I don't care for someone. But generally, it is a selfish notion when I bring home my garbage and ruin the other person's day. That's a marriage. When I dump everything on that person, that's a, someone I love. No, it's not. It's not. I'm right. sorry. Right. You're ruining someone else's peace of mind for your own benefit. And for what? Now you've ruined yours and theirs. Yeah, that's heavy weight. That's heavy weight. That's unnecessary roughness. Yeah, and even in business, like this is what people misunderstand. Like if you line yourself with principles, or we were talking about your family because you're a family business, they share a lot of principles because of backgrounds and hardships and being in the struggle together. Those principles are are what aligns us. Maybe someone will listen to your emotions and be there, but it's generally because you're on the same mission as them. You have the same purpose as them. You're on the same team as them. That doesn't necessarily mean they give a shit about them. Okay, they do care about you and they care that you're okay and they care that you're not in a bad state or in a good state, but generally the emotions themselves or whatever, people do not give a crap. And I'm sorry it's weird no. and it's maybe mean and whatever. But if you, you know, I the biggest lesson I ever learned, and I was young when I learned this, is don't rob someone of their peace of mind. 
because we don't have time to give that back to them. You just rob them of their time. You rob them of their their mental stability. I'm not saying we should create uncomfort for people so they grow. No, no, no. But what I am saying is my emotions have negative impact on people. And when I dump or I give that too much, especially in my relationships, I've done this in my, you know, with, with my significant other, you know, and significant others. It's like, you're not like, you're not there to make me feel better. I have to make myself feel better. I have to be a whole person in this relationship. And it's a weird term because you want, you, you want to need each other. Like there's a part of that that is healthy. There is a healthy relationship. There is the growing me and you. Me and you are built like that, right? Yep. Through what? Through experience, right? Yep, exactly. If it went the other way around, we might not be so, uh, we might be a little more fragile, to say the least. Well, and if someone catered too much to my emotions, I would have a victim mentality. I'd be like, oh, my emotions. Right. Let's address my emotions always. Like, and then right. life doesn't care. The world does not care about your emotions. And I'm sorry, no. weirdly. The selfishness that we got to have is to go through life but not have people want to focus on us. It's like this weird invert inversion. Like I need to be selfish and grow the world around me Hell yeah! by leading yeah. by example selfishly. But that's what attracts people to my leadership, to my businesses. And it's not one being like, oh, my God, can you believe what happened to me when I was a kid? Right. Like, I've right. done that. Right. And I've talked about it on podcasts, like bad stuff that happens. And ironically, those are the worst episodes. No one wants to hear that shit. You know, no, and they're, no, they're no, like, no, no, what? no, like we all have shit, man. Like a toothache is a toothache is a toothache, no matter how bad it is yeah. or good. And it, some families it, are worse it, than others. Go ahead. Everybody walking this earth, Justin, has something on their plate. It's how you how you bear this burden. You know what I mean? And 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 through my life experiences, I've learned to to just to just be like, all right, fuck it, let's go. You know, like fuck it, it's another one. Let's do it. You know? Oh well, shit happens. Let's move on. Okay, we'll figure this out. There's a problem. There's a solution. That's it. That's it. But at work, the subject at hand here is 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 at work. You, 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 you can't. That That's failure. If you're going to be all grumpy. I, I had a guy. He worked for me. He didn't smile. I said, bro, if you're at the window, we're going to lose everything. You, you, you're not approachable. And he's like, oh, you know, you know what? We all got problems, bro. You got to smile here. You got nice teeth. You should show him, I told him. And if you didn't have nice teeth, you should still show him. I said, a smile is, is, is if you smile, they're going to smile back. Nine at 9.5 out of 10 times. I go, that's already uh, uh, an invite. That smile is an invite. A hello is an invite. Not, hey, what are you getting? You know, the customer service is gone in, in most places in New York. I don't know where you are, but it's out the door. It's pretty It's pretty sad. Well, everyone thinks it's a, a real or a social media thing that it brings customers in. I love this because, you know, the more these some of these food companies, especially the younger entrepreneurs, get reels, they're not translating them into proper dollars, and it's usually transactional. Oh, I got my money from you. Now I'm, I don't need to build a relationship. And it's like, why are we not building relationships anymore? That is what customer service is. Well, build a relationship. Well, un unfortunately, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The youth, the younger the younger uh, people, I see a lot of 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 no no social skills like zero 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 i'm like hey man what's going on how are you give me a chicken gyro sure would you like tzatziki on it and they're like texting on their phone yeah yeah okay and like they don't even look up they just they just hand me the the, the funds 
And and again, I, I'm not trying to judge, but society has gotten very uh, much into technology, and they're so used to this bad service that they're not aware that I'm trying to be hospitable. So it's kind of odd too, you know. There's, there's there is a, quite a shift here, a paradigm to say the least. Like something is happening, and it looks like humanity is like just becoming somewhat robotic. You know, just think about it. When you know they don't they don't really there's not a lot of interaction is what I'm saying. It's lighter. It's lighter, and it's it's unfortunate. But I'm still there, bro. I'm still doing it old school. I like it. Well, and, and whoever likes it, likes it, you know, and I like that. Well, you know, here's we the thing. To, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that my point being this is right now, if you actually can build relationships with people, it is like, it's funny because back in the day, like that's like any immigrant group that came in to run food businesses, they had to build relationships in their community. They had to, that was part of the attraction to their business is getting to know the human. And we don't do that anymore in our businesses. And the humans that do have very successful businesses because they're such an anomaly. When people are actually care, you know, the customer who's got their nose so stuck in their phone is going to be the worst customer to every person. You don't want that person anyway. Sure, you can take their money or whatever, but generally you don't want them to be a loyal customer because they're the first person that something goes wrong, they're going to stuff their nose in the phone and then blast it everywhere. And so that's my experience anyway. But I find the ones that I can build relationships with, the ones that get the relationship building, the ones that find value in it, whether it's subconscious or consciously, they talk about your business in positive ways and they're worth way more than the person sticking their nose in the phone. And I, I don't know how to emphasize this with everyone. You don't need to cater to everyone. You don't need to sell every the food to every person in the line, even for your business. You just need to find the ones that you can build relationships with and they will do your marketing and advertising for you through attraction and validation. Yeah. And yeah. you don't have to promote your business. Why? Because you're doing the right thing. And what is that? We are relationship-based animals. Correct. I like that. The relationship. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that on my wall. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, na- and naturally, right, Justin? Yeah. Naturally. That's, that's what we do. Naturally. I you, like it. I like People it. are like loyalty and loyalty programs and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, you are selling against yourself. You're giving discounts. If your customers are truly loyal, they don't want your business to suffer. They want you to that's succeed. Why do they want a discount then? That doesn't make any sense. That's illogical. Sometimes when I try to treat people, they're like, no, man, no, 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 no. Exactly. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm just doing this to tell you a little thank you. As a matter of fact, this week, we're doing a, um, uh, this is going to be like a little plug, right? We're doing a a little charity for St. Bart's Church there. So we're giving back 10% of uh, net proceeds to them. It's not a lot, but it's something, you know? So for two weeks, you know, after I'm said and done counting and paying, I take 10% out and I give it to the church. They're my neighbors. They're right next to me. Um, you know, we went through a lot of hardship with COVID. They did as well. So things are coming back a little by little. So I might as well just give a little something back just to keep good relations and say a little thank you. We use their restroom. I go in there. I go in there. I just sit there sometimes. Like right before the prep, you know, I'm not religious or anything. I do believe in God, you know, but I, you know, I believe in a higher power. I believe in Jesus. It's not my church, but it's, it's a place of peace. So, you know, if it was a mosque, I walk in there. It doesn't matter. It's Same. a place of peace, you know, and uh, and you know just that alone for them allowing me to just you know, it, it's it's almost like 
like like a like a like a getaway for me in the middle of the city. Um, all my guys going in to use the restroom. They're spotless. They're super clean. So might as well. You know what I mean? That's it. That's a good relationship. So there's a little there's a little thank you. You know. Well, and here's the thing. I I, go ahead. mm No, finish your thought. No, like, like when I when I try to 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 just give them a little something, they'll be like, no, 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 man, no, no, it's okay, you know. I know they make a lot of money. I know I'm on Park Avenue, you know, but that's okay. I just want to say thank you. Just want to show them that I appreciate them coming. You know, three, four times a week, two times a week, whatever. That's it. And the loyalty of your customers and the loyalty of your customers playing full price allows you to give back to the community in a way that supports the ethos of what you're doing, that supports Uh it. And, you know, it's the funniest thing to me because, like, like when we discount our products, we're also telling our clients or our customers that – what they're what they're when they pay full price that it's that it's really not the value the value is the discount and you're overpaying for the product you're putting that into their subconscious that when they pay full price they're overpaying for it it's the weirdest thing but i watch businesses do that in desperation and no matter how good their relationships are they've just devalued themselves they devalue themselves as an entrepreneur they devalue their business whatever but when we do things and we give back in the way that we're talking about you're actually you're actually making the customers like hey you guys did a really good thing thank you for supporting us for supporting our business we had a really good month but instead of taking it all for ourselves we're willing to donate it we're willing to give it away and put it back into our community for a place that has positive values you know that has right. good values that that's spreading goodness that's walking in the light for lack of a better term you know and that's why when you said it's a mosque or whatever i agree with you you know we get so caught up on the outcome as society we don't think about what we're actually doing you know we want that customer right now so we're willing to attract them with a discount well that's a promotion that's not going to attract them for life okay that's like that's like getting married and basing it off of looks. It's a depreciating value. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, what are you thinking? Of course they're not always going to look that way. I'm not. Haven't. I get better looking with age, though, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, right. And Same so, here. Same here. Like, and it's like, wine. yeah, yeah. And, but, and weirdly, when we, we value the internal growth of the human, their value to us grows. We love them more. We care about them more. When they don't take away our peace of mind, when they're not always causing problems, we love them more. Okay, that doesn't mean that we walk on eggshells or whatever. Don't get me wrong here. What I'm saying is we have positive environments. You encourage each other. You encourage growth and you accept that growth. And that's what what grows. Why you know it's like this weird trick that that life plays. We grow, 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 and we get beautiful and and hot and sexy and thin, and then all of a sudden life is like, oh, you get married, er, you know. And that's not only because you get comfortable. Sometimes it's really because we hit the age of like twenty five to thirty, and then all of a sudden it's a depreciating thing. Okay. Yep. So if we look at our businesses that way and we don't want them to appreciate and we want their value to grow, we have to grow the inside of the business that makes it special. And if you shortcut yourself, here's the other thing that I tell people. You're screwing over your employees and you're making their dreams less possible. 
Because the better you do, the more you have loyalty through charging the right price and sticking to it, the better off they're going to be also. Not to mention they see validation that people are willing to pay full price for their what they're doing in your business. Because when you discount your price, you're also discounting the work of your employees and your customers. And this isn't what I was going to talk about today, but we're on that path. So I'm just going to finish up the thought. Like as food entrepreneurs, as entrepreneurs, we really need to think about that doesn't mean you don't give like, hey, here's a sample of my chicken. Come try my truck. Okay, it's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, oh, brother, my brother comes along. He's like, Justin, we even you know, you're my brother. Can I like get something for free or, you know, what's my discount? What's your discount, dude? You're I thought you were my brother. Correct. You want me to succeed? Doesn't seem like it when you ask for a discount, you know? And so it took me a while before I truly realized this and I've seen it and I've made the mistake, believe me. And the reason I talk about this and have so much experience is because I really analyze this. You know, businesses that suddenly start doing poorly, even they have great food, often are discounting, often giving an online discount or even in some cases outsourcing it too much to DoorDash and Uber to manage their customers and clients for them. Yeah, they're they're kind of yeah they're kind of crushing. But yeah, anyway, I know, I know. And so, like Nico, talk to me about like where this business is. Like, where do you want it to go? Are you always going to be within Greek food, or, or have you thought about expanding outside to other cuisines? I mean, just talk to me where you and your brother's mindset is right now. I was uh, I was in talks. Well, look, look. I think I think the originality being that we are the first Greek truck in the world, the, the first Greek food truck in the world, the originality, the way we came about this, which there's tons now, by the way, tons, just tons. And, and, and kudos to them, good for them. I think this work is very hard. And like I told you uh, previously in this conversation, it's a young man's game. And we are getting older. I'm 46, my brother's 35. Um, I think he's 36, 36, 35, right? whatever. Um, we're getting older. We're getting older. We're getting tired. And I feel like, We've created this business for us to be also the face of this business. Like, like I'm part of the truck. You know what I mean? And, um, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you, you're not managing right. You shouldn't be there. You should have 10 locations. I'm not there. I'm not there to give up my quality. As, as you can see how passionate me and my brother are about our food, we don't want to give up that quality for more money. Fuck the money. What am I going to do? Like, just give out cheap shit and garbage? And, and think about uh, think about a ten percent uh, net profit at the end of the day. It's not what I'm here, bro. It's not it's not what I do. I can't do that. But me and my brother have discussed, and we have sat down with uh, you know with you know uh, large food distributors about actually packaging our our our, our souvlaki and our tzatziki, and maybe creating like something, a kit, a meal kit, um, you know, focusing on the Mediterranean diet and. Again, I'm not a dying breed. You said you said we are, we are, uh, you know, we are we are. What kind of beast are we again? Because I didn't write it on my on my uh, on my on my on my wall yet. What, what did you say before, Justin? We are. We we we're humans. We're we're relationship based animals. Animals, exactly, exactly. That's what we do, and we like to create a relationship with someone who could actually hold our hand and guide us through going international. Uncle Gussie's brand, just straight up. You know, direct to consumer sales and make it happen. 
Therefore, we leave a legacy. Now it's actually a mark on this earth, like, you know? Yeah, and you talked about a little bit the quality, the quantity, and the customer service. And being in the co-packing game now uh, and being in the co-packing game before, when my business partners in the previous company and even some of the people that were like, quote unquote, friends and whatever, they would they were panicking so much during COVID and so much during all the cash going out, they were discounting things. They were they were in a rush to get the clients. They were just looking at what's right in front of them. They were they started lowering the quality. And I'm like, what is going on here? Why are we doing this? Like I get it, they need to get into Walmart, but if they want to get into Walmart and they're willing to lower their quality to do it, are they still actually gonna be the same food that Walmart fell in love with in the first place? Just as an example, I use Walmart. And right. um but I was dealing with them a lot in my past. Did deal with them a lot for many, many years. And everyone always tries to get the price lower because Walmart wants cheaper prices and bottom prices, and but the product goes to crap. Let me tell you what a good co-packer does because I think the audience should hear this too. They will make your product better. I like that. Because when it comes to mass production and the things that happens, like there, it should be better. You're controlling the environment way more than a food truck, than a restaurant than a chef being able to tweak things here and there at their own whim by accident or taste. You actually can universalize the flavor. You can universalize the message, the marketing, the advertising. But the product, the food itself, because you're now going into bulk and you're producing in that way, it should not get less. And those co-packers out there, there's a lot of them. If not, I would say 99% of them are trying to spread their margins too instead of making better food and driving volume through better food guess what you know a smaller piece of a bigger pie is still a bigger pie guys and i hate to tell everyone else this but when you start moving volumes of food the buying power that you have the the things that you have through Mm. we talked about simplification we talked about increased quality increased service increasing quantity but if you don't keep the part that makes it good and make it better, then what are you doing? Because if they want good food, they're going to go to your truck or your restaurant, okay? And if they haven't tried your food yet, it better be better than they're going to have in person if they're going to eat it at home. It better, be, it better be just as good or better, right? Yeah, just as good or better. Yeah. But I often find you got to overshoot the mark a little bit because weirdly food doesn't taste as good as your home as it does in a restaurant. And it's a subconscious thing. So you got to always up the mark a little bit. Yeah. Just got to up the mark a little bit. Ah, it's better when we're at the restaurant, Charlie. Oh, I agree, Eileen. That's a psychological thing, right? Exactly. So you got to fight that also. And instead of running with it and playing into it, you know, and cheapening your product, you got to keep it to a higher level and that's why i like co-packing a lot because again we talked about blue oceans we talked about building relationships those are things people don't do everyone's trying to get extract the maximum amount of dollar out of each transaction versus okay what happens if we build a relationship better food you know it's slightly above what they would get in a restaurant because we have better quality or we can use sous vide on a massive scale or we have the ability because of space to marinate it better Maybe it's not different. It just we get more time to get the flavor into the meat. Mm-hmm. It's well, well, all I of think, those little I things. Think, um, I think I think uh, it's the ambiance and the um, and the experience when you walk into a place or you come up to the food truck. Exactly. That's that's what's missing when you when you mass market. Exactly. You know, 
that's what's missing. But, 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 um, I think what's the first sense, Justin? Smell, right? Smell, and then comes taste. Yeah. I think if the product's better, they'll be like, oh man, you know, it'll remind them what it was to eat there. Yeah. You know, a lot of people did move out of New York City. I think it's like 10% a year are moving out, yep. which is a big number for New York. I know they're uh, again, all going to again, Nashville. In Nashville, like one of the fastest growing cities, what we spoke about, what we spoke about before. But, yeah. but there's people coming in as well. So well, there's like, a lot of food trucks that literally they came out of New York City, drove their food trucks to Nashville, and now have their food trucks in Nashville. That's cool. The same with California, cool. actually, um, and Arizona, and some of these other states. Uh, there's even a Florida. couple from Denver. Florida. Yeah, Florida, Florida. too. Because, yeah. like, and people go to Florida, that's a good market. One, you can operate year-round. The weather's nice. And um, there's good sources of food. You're down in, like, you know, the southeast United States is our – it's not the Midwest, uh, contrary to what everyone thinks. Like, our breadbasket in the United States is the southeast United States. It's also the more the most corrupt food place on the planet, particularly Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. You have to be careful when you're dealing with business down there. As wow. a food person, you will be taken advantage of. It is like one of the weird things I do warn people because they just haven't caught up yet. Because it's the old way of the South. Oh, guess what? The Yankees here. Let's figure out how to take advantage of them. And then they don't build a relationship. They extract the dollars out of you. And when your business goes under, there's just some other yup who's there that they can take advantage of. Okay. How do you Got fight it. this? increase your quality increase your product increase your service okay so when he was we were just talking with nico here he said they don't get the experience in the store okay so there's one part of the equation that's now lesser okay the only way to make that up is to increase another piece maybe it's customer service maybe it's the quality of the food maybe mm. it's the taste of the food maybe it's the packaging maybe it's a meal program maybe they get something that they don't get at your restaurant that they can only get online it's got to have a wow factor right yep it's got to have a wow some some way somehow it's yeah have a that's wow not factor. a gimmick Okay, because I see a lot no. of gimmicks going on in food right now. It doesn't convert to dollars. I watch it and maybe get someone in the store and they buy it one time and it's a gimmick. They don't become lifelong customers. You know, the way people become lifelong customers is I, I run a special and it's a good food. I'm not saying it's like a gigantic thing. Like I think the company that the first gimmick ever was like the old 96 or whatever was one of the first. And it's like if you ate a 96 ounce steak, you got you and your family's dinner for free. Great promotion. Great. Great. Love it. Can Love it all day long. That company's not in business anymore. That company never grew beyond one store. It's a gotcha. gimmick. You're giving, you're not, now you're not about the food. You're about the gimmick, you know, right. and that's right. what social media is becoming. There's a lot of gimmicking going on. It's a not about the food. Yeah. 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 And I think I see right through that. I think I see right through that because I'm like, yeah, I'm actually tired of social media. Yeah fucking tired of it it's like come on man really um, you know what i mean i know really? yeah it's just and the the food thing and and what we're doing with food and we're, it's a place that you should build your food brands because there it's your eyes then the smell then your mouth but um if you're doing it I, in I a think, gimmick I way it's, it's gonna hurt your business i don't know how to I, tell you you're you're riding a temporary tidal wave and the down the up was great, but the down's just as fast, and I, right, if right. not faster. And right. like, it's a very hard thing, and that's because you're not building awareness. You're not building stuff off of 
good things. There's companies like you that have been doing this a long time that could that can build solid social media platforms. But if you, you all of a sudden are up to like ten thousand view, ten thousand followers that are all over the world and only five hundred in New York City, like what was the benefit of that exercise? Correct. I get it. Correct. You may expand. Go ahead. I'll tell you where it's positive. When you have a base subject that you want to talk about, and I tell you where I think I'm seeing the dollars, my catering. Yeah, exactly. So, so I told myself, just talk about catering. Don't talk about the truck. Don't talk. Talk about catering. Talk about how we could cater. Like as we're on this conversation, Justin, I just got an email. We'd like uh, an order for 200 people uh, at you know uh, you know 280 Park Avenue. Uh, please, we don't need uh, we don't need too many house salads. Make sure you give us extra Greek salads. You know, I think I'm not saying these people specifically see me on the catering, but uh, I got another one for tomorrow on Friday, and I know it came from social media because I started following them. You know, yeah. So maybe somebody's like, "Oh man, look, Augustus follows us. Oh man, let's order from there." You know. But it's you building a relationship, too, in a weird kind of way. It's not just, oh, I yeah. got a new follower. Let me, like, make sure they like my post. Like, what's the tr- – that's a transactional thing when that happens. And if they're following yeah. you, they're going to follow whatever the next trend is. They're going to like the next reel, and they're going to do whatever. It's why well, maybe, you see 500,000 followers, and there's only 1,000 people that like the reel or the photo yeah. sometimes. You're like, well, what's going on here? That's a horrible conversion rate. So what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking about this, this case scenario, which I've seen a lot of, they saw on Instagram that I only talk about catering. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they didn't know that I catered. Maybe they walked by me every day. Maybe they had lunch with me. Maybe they didn't know that this truck could do catering. Exactly. You know? It's filling a gap and it's filling a void. And I get it. It's marketing and it adds attraction or promotion to your business. I prefer attraction. But attraction is is that you know that it's not a gimmick, that you have a way of getting these customers in, or you have a growth plan that complements this growth all over the country. Yeah, you there have, you go. Growth plan, growth yep. plan. Well said, well put together. Growth plan. Yeah. Because you're just another person that's running into the gold rush, and you're not. You may strike gold, but then you have no plan on what to do with it. I mean, half the people that struck gold were robbed along the way. That's why Wells Fargo is a business. They're just like, oh, where's everyone else going? Oh, the gold rush. How do we make money off the people going to the gold rush? Well, everyone who's even getting rich is getting robbed of their gold before they ever get it anywhere. So while they struck gold, they spend all of their savings. Then they're getting robbed on the way there. Just saying. So, like, it's just we, we think about things and we think about popularity and success and stuff and it does translate into good business but it's that popularity has to be built on fundamentals principles and core values and then the people will stick then it's a good business but if it's they like your giant ice cream cone eh, someone's going to build a bigger one someone's going to figure out how to be more jazzy than you Mm -hmm. you know but if you focus on the food and the quality and the deliverance and maybe it is a giant pita with filled with euro meat and so on and so forth but what is it that the message what is it that they're getting is it a giant sandwich or is it a premium product you know and how far can you go with a gimmick that's enormous i get it it gets eyeballs and you get lots of reels and now people are aware of your brand but again most of the people that follow reels won't actually spend a dollar on your food 
Correct. It's just the craziest thing. And yeah, and and and, and naturally, we're we're looking for that attention. Even me, I can't lie to you. Yeah, I'm looking to get that hit. You know, I'm looking for it to go viral. And then I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it's social media. You're supposed to socialize. That's the whole point of this, right? And how do you socialize? How many gyros can you post? What can you say? So I'm like, listen, I told myself, create a game plan about this. Just talk about catering. So every time we do catering, make a nice little post. Not too long. Keep it simple. Show the food. Show yourself. Tell them what you do. Let them go on the website. So like, like lead them to the website somehow, you know? And that's that's my plan for social media. And that's it. That's it. There's nothing like come to us, come to the location. We're the best. I never say we're the best. I'm going to be the best. I don't want to be the best. I just want to be good by my customers. You know, I just want to do the right thing. I want to go home. I want to live a happy life. You know, and like I said, the, the, the future is definitely direct to consumer sales. Absolutely. Because, because, because. Controlled experience. Like I told you, society is shifting. Yes, yeah, yeah. society is shifting. Uh, people are not attending to the office as much as they did in the past. Um, if it wasn't for catering and this catering that I do, I don't think we'd actually have a business right now because of COVID. But COVID was a blessing because we got a lot more catering. You know, there's a lot more online ordering going on. Um, and again, we we had a QR code pre-COVID. We started a QR code in 2018. And I got really lucky. Like that QR code did its thing throughout COVID. We did like home deliveries and and I, I, I did more business in COVID than I ever did in my life. It's crazy, right? Being that we're mobile, that was the positive about being mobile. And I have very successful friends, like uh, financially successful. Oh, you should have had 20 you know, spots by now. You should have done this. You should have done that. I don't need to do all that, man. I know what I got to do, you know? And, and, and that's another thing. We can't listen to too many influences, right? We could definitely take advice. We could definitely absorb some things. But there's no need to overreach. Do, do what you do best, you know? Do what you do best. And if you feel you have the power and that's what you want, then you do it. Don't let something else influence you because they did it. You want to do it. Unless that's what you want to do. Unless that's what your heart desires. Because your desires are your beliefs and your beliefs could, could become reality. It's how much you put into it. You know, but I'm good. I'm good right here, right now. I'm good. I agree with you, and I think you guys have the right model. I'm just going to leave this with everyone, especially in the food game. We're so into franchising and so into growing our businesses so rapidly, we're missing major things here, okay? And there are social media that's blowing up companies because they've been around for 60 years, 50 years. They're doing recipes. They have life experience. You're one of them. Okay, one of the first movers in food trucks, but your family's been doing this since the 1970s, 60s, you know, you know, and, you know, I'll call out, you know, Utopia Bagels. They've been doing bagels for 60 years. They're yeah. growing rapidly online and gold belly. But here's the thing. They're still doing it the way they did it 60 years ago. And they perfected the skill of the food first. And it took decades before they've had the catalyst. Okay, Walter's Hot Dogs. Um, same thing. They've both been on the podcast. That's why I'm mentioning them um, because I know though they don't mind me mentioning it. But no, that's sure. that's the thing. Like you build. There's tradition. There's the food. The reels are exposing that tradition. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Burratino Pizza is one of the like largest. I think he's been on the podcast. I ha- that hasn't been released by the time we're recording this, but they have over five hundred sixty thousand followers on Instagram and over six hundred fifty wow. on TikTok. But here's the thing: the two gentlemen, you know, they're both living the American dream. One an Asian American dream, one a European American dream. I don't want to get into too many details. You have to listen to the episode and the audience go back and listen to it by the time this comes out. You know, I'm not going to do all the work for you. And um, but <laughs> here's the truth: they they was an existing business that was doing well. There was a foundation there, and they bought it, and then they made it better. They made the food better. They made things better. Okay? And that's weirdly, like, when we rush into things, the reason McDonald's having problems right now with franchises closing and Burger King's getting blown up the way it is is because they got a solid product and they just cared about scaling it across the country. They never cared about improving it as they went. What they do do is they make it less valuable by trying to make it more profitable on a regular basis. I mean, look at the patties that are on a Big Mac sandwich. If you went to get a Big Mac 20 years ago, they were way bigger. They were actually thick on the sandwich. They actually looked like a burger. Now you can't even see the thing on there. It's between three buns and lettuce and more sauce than you know what to do with. Okay. What is that? The, the art of the um... – it's something it's it's when it's when the products get small over the years yeah like same thing with like any anything pre-packaged you get smaller over the years yeah because everyone's like profit worried and co-packers do a horrible job of of negotiating over time or keeping prices down and then you know they get pressure from retailers like well we can't go up in price but sugar's gone up or wheat's gone up or chicken's gone up right now but we need to hold our pricing well if they're negotiating you over price in the retailer, you may not want to be have them as a client. Again, they're a customer. And if they're really loyal to you, I get it. You might think you need them. But I would rethink your business because, one, they're now your gatekeeper. They control your customers. And number two, are they really the best partner to have in your life when they want to constantly devalue you? It'd be like being in an abusive relationship. Like, why are you constantly devaluing me and my work and my food and my business? I'm serious, guys. Like, I don't know how to tell you. There's a reason that you see flash in the pans in the grocery store all the time. Or these companies get bought by conglomerates just for the name. It's because what happens, devalue, 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 devalue. Okay, well, we're doing a huge amount of revenue. We're not fighting for anything anymore. And I don't want to deal with the grocery stores. Buy the brand. Usually Coca-Cola does a great job of this. Buy them, put them out of business. Great. Pay them off. Get them out of my way. Get them out of my way. Yeah. Because why? Big because companies, yeah, 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 yeah. Coca-Cola holds a standard. And even though they may give two for three, which I don't agree with, you're still buying more to get the discount. Okay? That's a difference. If you're buying more or you're doing catering or you're increasing volume, of course there might be a discount there. You know, it's okay for a retailer to maybe say, okay, if I buy 10000 what is my discount? Of course, because I buy more food, I should get a discount on volume also. It's easier to produce. I'm mass producing <coughs> it. Efficiencies of scale should make it cheaper. Duh. But if I'm demanding a discount or I'm going about it or I'm pushing down the value of your product, there's a difference. And I encourage everyone in the audience to start figuring out what that difference is in their business. What's the difference between volume discount and discounting the value of your business through discounting your food to friends, family, to people, to Groupon. Big like, difference. okay, I'm promoting yep. it. 
Like, let's go to a hockey game for $10, but then they're $50 on a weekend. Fuck, I'm never going to a weekend game again in my life. I'm never going to yeah. be a season ticket holder again in my life. Why? Because I can go during the weekday and freaking Groupon gives them away for 8 bucks to a Phillies game or a Knicks game. Why go yeah, to the playoffs? That. I don't fucking want to pay that money. I can get it for 8 bucks during the season from Groupon. Just never saying. did Groupon. That's funny you said that because that's what that's where I'm like, why should I do that? You, you know what you attract when you do that? You just attract very frugal people. And not, not frugal, cheap. They don't care about your product. They don't care about your product. They don't. It's not 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 a good customer to have. All right, Nico. We're definitely going to do a part two. It'll probably take me another four years to track you down to do it just based <laughs> on our schedule. Just so the audience knows, part two, 2027. And, um, you know, joking aside, like if you could leave the audience with anything, like any main experiences, like – who were your mentors? What did you learn from them? Why were they important? Like why? And the other question I have that I didn't get to today that maybe we could answer in this. Why, what are the, what is the best attributes of your brother? What are the best attributes of you that make you guys a good team? So I kind of asked two questions here, but take yeah. as long as you want to answer. This is your show. I do this for you guys. So you can tell your, your story because that's how like the benefit again, I'm just going to say this. I don't hold people to time. I'm not like 45 minutes. I give people a two-hour no, window. No, if no. we go over, I'm like, oh, I'm happy to do a part two and give my time. Why? Because the people that are going to benefit from this are going to hear it in the details. And that's not like, oh, I went to school and I started a food truck. Well, that's great. That's not where the value is. The value is in all the things in between in the details. So, Nico, it's all yours. Mentors, you know, yeah. motivation, you know, attributes of your brother and you that, that make you guys a good team. So there's couple layers of questions in there i i gotta say that my mentors in my life are my my mother uh my uncle george and my aunt georgia they taught me hard work they taught me resilience uh they taught me how to how to save they taught me what it what it is to to earn a dollar they also taught me family, love, and, and you know, health. I think those are the most valuable things in life. The, the, the best attributes about my brother Frankie are he's very organized. He's not clean, but like OCD clean. Uh, he is a planner, scheduler. He's again organization, organization. I do have that, but not not like him, you know. And my best attributes are go get it, go get it, go out there and hustle, go get it. Um, um, my 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 mouthpiece, the way I speak, um, and again my my hospitality, and I, I do that from the bottom of my heart. I don't do it to fake it, you know. It's nothing, nothing is artificial like. I do it to make you feel good. I do it because I want you to feel good. I want you to like my food. And I do it because I want you to feel welcome and appreciated that you're giving me your dollar. And I think that all is what created me and my brother. Because he has probably the same people to look up to. Yeah. A, a rough life that's turned into something beautiful, you know? 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, will you tell us where you can find you online, how they find your food trucks, how they can find you guys for catering? What are your social media handles? Will you lay that all on us? Yeah, it's all Uncle Gussie's, all one word, U-N-C-L-E-G-U-S-S-Y-S. The website, you can reach out to us for catering, UncleGussie.com, you know, support slash catering. Um, and that's it. Like every social media is Uncle Gussie's. Again, I don't post too much, guys, because it's getting boring. You know what I mean? Um, but we definitely love to, to cater events. We, we like corporate events. Uh, we like marketing events, you know, experiential and, and things of that nature. So, and again, we definitely like to discuss something with a co-packer. Yeah, to absolutely. Going, to get this going because there has to be an exit strategy, you know? We're not going to be there forever. I love what you were talking about. And one of the things I'm going to just leave everyone with is don't get comfortable in your success. If you have success, hit the gas harder. Drive up the standards. Don't drive them down. Don't let people get comfortable. Create uncomfortability in the success. Because when we do that, then if that's when people see we slow down. That's when people start getting a sense that, oh, maybe the value is not what we thought it was. Let me ask for a discount. Right. right. You know, hey, do you do you follow David Goggins? Of course I do. Yep. And I was just at Er, Arate in St. Louis. Um, He was one of our speakers. I'm part of the Arate group syndicate. I'll drop their name in here. I've been in that for four plus years now. One of the entrepreneurs in that group. Um, And he was just at the event in St. Louis that was done in April. Uh, He was one of the speakers. He's one of the most phenomenal human beings ever. But go on. You were going to say something about him. No, man, he just basically says, don't get comfortable, bro. Yeah, no. I Every time I've gotten comfortable, I've lost more than I gained. You know, and yeah, you I, you'd obviously reverse your life in ways that you can't even imagine. It's like just crazy how that happens. But I know how people lose money now all the time. I know how people become dictators. <laughs> I know yeah. how people go from good to bad in a lot of ways. And life jades them. Uh, why relationships are the way they are. They get comfortable. It's no different. Uh, you get comfortable with your customers, you lose them. You get comfortable with your wife, too comfortable and stop working on it, you lose her. You know, if you're not careful, you know, you'll lose your kids. They won't look up to you anymore. Same thing. You know, weirdly, yeah, yeah. we want to be pushed. We want people who believe in us enough to push us, not in a negative way, not in a criticizing way, but in a growth way. And I think customers are the same way. Challenge them. Ask them questions. What do you think? But try this new thing I'm working on. Get their buy-in. You know, they're willing to pay more if they're invested. I'm just saying, guys. And why? And it's not ripping them off. It's not anything. Because they're a part of your brand now. They're part of your loyalty circle. You know, and that's different than a loyalty program. A loyalty circle offers no benefits to them. You know, other than volume. You want to do a catering event? Of course it's a little cheaper. Oh, you're guaranteeing 300 people? Of course. You guaranteed it. You know, it's a different business proposition, but I'm still going to give you high quality food. And if you do a catering event, guess what? You know what I'm going to do? I don't offer this on the truck, but you'll get it for your event as an add-on because I want you to know that you're, I value your relationship and the money that you're paying doesn't go unnoticed. So I'm going to give you more value, you know, not discount it in the same way, you know, and that's right. a lot of things that I find all caterers that really last like generations do. And like we talked about, your your business has been around a very long time as a family. You guys have leveraged other people's businesses, not only your family, but the guy's breakfast stand that you bought. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not always about starting your business. And if you are, you've got to realize you better hold on to your brand and you better make it important. You better not turn it over to someone else because it will dilute your brand and it will devalue it. That's the craziest part. And we're doing it at such a rapid rate now that Amazon has really owned your brand and DoorDash really owned your brand. And that's you don't. And people are like, oh, whatever. And Instagram owns your brand, guys. Like, you got to be careful with that, too. How are you converting over this loyalty? How are, how are you actually building a relationship? My favorite is, like, when these guys do all this reels and all this popularity, but they don't respond to anyone. They don't communicate with anyone. They're horrible communicators. I'm like, that is going to catch up with you no matter how many reels you are. You can preach about your consistency all day long, but you're a horrible communicator. And there's no consistency in that. And that's the most thing you need to be consistent at. That's why I tend to annoy people because I'm a freaking consistent. Oh, we're going to do this. Uh, I'll follow up with you in two weeks. Sometimes it's a day, whatever. I'm I like that, that little too. buzzing thing, that consistent little buzz that goes on. Because why? Because that's who I am. That's yeah, who my, I made my myself. Bro- my ahead. brother disagrees with that. He disagrees with that. He's like, no, you can't. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not bothering him. I'm, I'm following up. Exactly. I need to know. I'm following up. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. I'm not being annoying. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't bother people. They work, yeah, but I'm, but I'm gonna pay them. You know, like, wh- where is it that we're going wrong? Yeah, I'm I gonna, agree with it's you. A service, it's a service. So you know, or or something, you know, like if we if we do a build out, like, hey, you know, what's going on with the truck? What I I can't bother them. I can't ask. You know, it's good. It's good. It's good. Reminders are always good. Yeah. And so. I believe in servant leadership, like the traditional way we talk about God and Jesus and. Jesus being the greatest leader of all time and in, in his Amen. core values. And, um, you know, I think that's more important than him being a son of God as his leadership and what he actually did. And he was Jesus, but he was also the apostle. That's why there was, you know, 12 of them plus him, 13, just so we're all aware. And they sat in a circle, guys. I know we paint the Last Supper as a square or a rectangle table, but that's not true. The reason is is because he wasn't higher than anyone else, and he was willing to put himself lower than anyone else, and nothing was above him. Okay? It's got to be the same with our customers, and when we stop thinking of them as, and when we're in servant leadership, it's a partnership. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's not one serving the other. Customer service, yes, I get the term, but it's customer partnership is a better term. And they're not employees. They're your team members. Right. Okay? And your vendors, they're definitely your team members. So pick the right partners. Yes. You know, we often just do it because of price and we go to the lowest thing. Those aren't your teammates. They're just going to, if they're discounting for you, they're doing it with a guy down the street as your competition. I'm just saying. You want the guy who's willing to make a buck, who's willing to take care of his family, who's willing to take care of his employees and charge what the value is for his product. And as a person that does it, yes, I'll say, oh, we're buying... 500 pallets I deserve a discount and he's gonna be like yeah well that kind of volume creates a lot more jobs it allows a lot more dreams and we have efficiencies that go along with it because we're producing all the same thing for those 500 pallets you know you get machinery that gets more efficient so on and so forth but if it's asked for I think it's harder but when a a co-packer or someone's willing to say hey your volume's going up this is what we can do to offer you help and a discount so you can make more margin. How about this? And I will say to them, they're like, oh, 15%. I, I think we can save it. I'm like, how about this? 
you need to stay in business if you're going to do business with me. And if I'm going to stay in business, I don't want you to go out of business. So how about we split the savings? I like that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, most yeah. people are just like, me, 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 put it in my pocket. But you're not helping yourself because you're hurting your vendors because they feel the yeah. pressure of the discount. And you're hurting your customers because then you're going to charge them the money or you're going to discount them. And then they're like, well, why is it cheaper? You know? Well, I, 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 I would, I would really appreciate something like that. Just, just from hearing that from somebody else yeah. would be so. That's such gratitude to me. You know, like that's so, that's so ethical. You know, and us too. We do a lot of ethical buying, and um, I guess you could say our suppliers are business partners. I'm going to agree with you. Um, we buy from the right people. We don't mind the price. If the quality and the service is there, bring it. We don't devalue anything for a better price, you know? And uh, 100%. And I think, you know, everyone wins in that scenario. How does everyone win? You share. And then the pie gets bigger. And guess what? Your supplier is now one of your biggest salespeople. You don't need sales teams. If you do this properly, you don't need a sales team. I don't care what kind of business you are, even if you go into retailers. People are like, sales team, let me hire a marketing team. Let me hire an outsourcer. Let me hire a broker. I'm like, come on, treat everyone right. And you have the best sales force ever. It's the largest one you could ever mount. Your employees, your team members, your vendors, your customers. <clears throat> Shit, the person that comes in and brings your uniforms. Figure it out. You build a relationship with all of them. They're your best sales team. They'll you know, even get you catering people, events or a lot new of business. don't see it like that, Justin. What do you do if you're if you're around a lot of people who don't see it like that? I don't know. I fought it my whole life, and I've literally had changed friend circles, which is one of the weirdest things that someone said to me. But they were right. When I did that in my 30s, and then I did it again as I get into my 40s, and now I'm doing it again with a new business. It's weird, but uh, when they're your partners and your family, it makes it very hard when they don't see it the way you see it. And um, unfortunately, people are very attached to the short-term outcome versus um, detaching themselves from that outcome and looking at the benefit to humanity in the long run. And then inversely, you make more money that way. Everyone does. Because when everyone wins, everyone really wins, okay? There's a difference between one person betting on a lottery and getting a group together and buying lots more lottery tickets, okay? And I know this doesn't make sense, but you just increase your chances of winning by doing that. I no, don't recommend playing the lottery. Uh, I don't. I gamble on business. It's way more profitable. Just so everyone's aware, if you want to make money and and scratch offs and the tickets and the lottery, the best thing you can do is actually invest in yourself. It's less of a risk. Yeah. It's in your control, and that's the other thing. Like you, you're. I will say this, and, and many people get really mad at me when I say this, but I will say it on the air, um, especially when I'm consulting. When you devalue your business or the price you charge, you devalue your family legacy. And whether your kid stays in your business or not, his name's attached for whatever you're doing in your business. And guess what? The food doesn't follow us, but our character does. And our character and our spiritualities or the negative rumors follow our families for generations, whether we like it or not. And that's a very important thing. Like when you're discounting it, think about what you're doing to your grandchildren or your children. Because if I'm willing to do that, I'm saying I'm worth less. My product's worth less. The work I do is worth less. My family's worth less. So how do you get people to be willing to be loyal? 
Thank them. Thank you for supporting me and my family. My family really appreciates it because that's the truth, right? Why do we hide that? It's the truth. Yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought about it like that, but yes, you are right. I mean, we don't we don't provide a lot of discounts like what you keep on saying, and we don't work with a yeah. lot of companies that want to take from us. Yeah. Um, and we try to you know do ethical buying and and think exactly exactly to the point of what you said on how to deal with others that want to work with you. Yeah. And um, I mean, that was the first that I heard something about somebody saying, "Hey, if we could keep fifteen percent, and then and then the other turns around and says, "Hey, why don't we split that?" Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I never heard that throughout doing business ever. Yeah. It's the and, way I uh, have to do it because I want you to be around. If you go under, or your employees are angry, or I lose the person in your company that really produces my case so well, for example, that harms me. You know, hey, like if you get fifty percent, you get to grow your business larger, and I like dealing with you. So if I can get more from you, and you have good core values, I want that. Like that's yeah. the part where we're investing in our vendors, actually. We're investing in them. We're actually investing in our customers too. We're investing and, in and, our employees. And I want to affirm the fact that you said um, that you can also gain business from your vendors because we have a lot of vendors that sell to us that we cater to them. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. And they refer us like uh, we have somebody in the airports that gets us catering all the time, LaGuardia and JFK, Delta and United, and one hand shakes the other. That was really, really nice of them. You know, and again, this is somebody who supplies us with like, I don't know, I think rags, right? And like cleaning supplies. And they in turn supply this the other companies, United and Delta, who actually hooked us up, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, that's just one example. But and people I, think I, word of mouth is by biting into a good sandwich. It's it's a, it's a funny part. Like <laughs> having good food is like the entry point to the game. Like everyone can, anyone can do that. Like I know that there's better food and then people devalue it and they forget about that what got them in the game in the first place. Don't ever forget what got you in the game in the first place. But it is only the entry point. You know, it's the golden ticket into Willy Wonka's factory. You still got to win the factory. Yep. Um, yep. And while there may be less of you who are willing to play the game, there's still a lot of people out there trying to win it. And most of the people in that game believe in knocking down the buildings, not building bigger ones. And so that's just the thing. And I say you on this podcast, not directly talking about Uncle Gus's and everyone. I just say that talking to the audience or a general term, just so everyone knows, like you, plural, um, a more of a statement like that. I could probably phrase that differently but nico i appreciate you coming on the podcast i appreciate your time we recorded way long we could have just done two parts off of this but i appreciate your time and i appreciate your story is worth waiting for for real and there's this is Thank probably you. one of the episodes that there's literally like 20 solid like educational points in and value in this episode you know it's why i don't charge from it i'm like here's the value guys if everyone does better in food i do better in food everyone's like well, why do you do it you you know you you make money here and there but you turn around and you give it to networking events and you build these networking things and you do it and i'm like yep they're like well why do you benefit because entrepreneurism freedom the fighters of entrepreneurism and uh are also the fighters of freedom 
They, we do more fighting for the good and the freedom of people and yeah. building dreams yeah. than the soldiers. And I'm sorry, I, I know we don't give our lives or put our lives at risk, but we do financially and our families. Justin, Justin it's, it's people like you that make a change. Um, and I really, really appreciate you having me on here. I did learn a lot, yeah. believe it or not. I did learn a lot. And it, everything's a refresher. Um, and, and these conversations are definitely uh, building character. And um, believe me, you're doing a great thing with all these networking events and, and having us on podcasts, uh, you know, the small guys, you know, uh, I believe in you freedom. guys. So freedom, bro, freedom, freedom, freedom is, is, is something that is taken very lightly these days. Freedom to know that you went out and you made yours is freedom. Absolutely. You know? I agree with you. And, and, and I encourage all youth to get into that. Go get yours, man. You yeah. can anywhere, especially yeah. in this country. Yeah, and don't chase. I get a lot of people chase entrepreneurism for money, and they do well. But if you chase it where you're not attached to the outcome of money, you're attached to making a difference, you're attached to providing solutions, um, you're attached to do making the world better, people are willing to pay for that. They want it. They want to be a part of it. It's contagious. It's attractive. And I know it seems funny and it seems manipulative, but – adding a discount to have more people to your place seems way more manipulative to me. Like you're trying to basically bribe them to come to your business. Oh, I'll charge you less. Come here. So like, and I'm not against it and everyone's going to come after me who does it and be like, I've had so much success. I'm like, just watch places that have done it that are no longer in business anymore. Places that grew huge that try to get into the manipulation on price or on volume of food or gimmicks and they're not around anymore. It We trend and things are trending. And just like Facebook blew up with Reels from 2008 to 2012, most of those companies, food, I'm going to talk about food companies, the ones that franchised, the ones that did well, then got into the most recent crisis and most of them went out of business. Even though, yep. and now reels are back and we're almost doing the same thing that we did on Facebook again with Instagram, not understanding that the customer attention, the, the holding on to them, the acquisition that's taking place that truly lasts a lifetime is the relationship. We all know that because when we grow up in neighborhoods and our families be like, oh, you're blah, 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 son. Oh, he runs that great restaurant on whatever. We go there all the time. The great service, great people. Okay. That builds family legacy. That builds freedom for everyone in it. But when like, oh my gosh, I just had the best pork sandwich over at blah, blah, blah. That's great. But then they're going to have another pork sandwich that's going to be better than that eventually because that one will get stale and their loyalty is not there because you didn't build a relationship. You know, and that's just for the audience. You can take it or leave it. Um, that's just my experience. And I've seen it work against me in extreme ways when people do the opposite of what I'm saying. It's why I've learned the hard way. That's how I know this. And not only have I learned the hard way, then when I started telling people to do it and they did the opposite, it almost doubled down on me that it was the that what I'm saying is true. Okay, it's the truth. We trick our mind into thinking otherwise. We, we Human mind wants the easy path. The easy path is not the profitable path in the long run. It doesn't build legacies and it doesn't help our children. So thank you again, Nico. I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you. I'm going to come Thank visit you. you again and have the food at your food truck Please, for yeah. sure. Um, Thank you, everyone, and for the audience. I love you guys. Thanks for listening in. Thank you for sharing the show. 
Thank you for giving positive vibes. Again, if it's a transaction, you're getting something from the episode, the best thing you can do is support these entrepreneurs who are giving you guys information. They're volunteering their time to help you grow. And I'm not saying you owe them anything because they're not looking for anything. But what I am saying is if you want to catch what they have, you want to pick up what they're putting down, you got to give back to them also. you got to pay forward. And I know that seems weird, but I'm not talking about money. I am talking about maybe going to try their food, but I am also talking about spreading their message because it matters because they're good people. And when you spread their message, it also validates you that you believe in their message and your business believes in their message. So with that being said, thank you everyone for listening in. I love you guys. You can find me on Instagram at just the food entrepreneurs. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts and we're out. <laughs>